Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Reading Harry Potter with a 12 year old. Today we'll be reading Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets and uh, we are currently through halfway through uh, The Burrow. So we'll be continuing that today. And I just wanted to say that I'm really really sorry for not posting in over a month. Uh, it's been a while and yeah, uh, as I said, I'm back at school so I'm just uh, settling in back into normal life. Uh, we still have some coronavirus restrictions, but um, they're they're getting better one by one. Um, I hope you guys are uh, wherever you're, wherever in the world you're from. You guys are doing okay, staying safe. And uh, so I just wanted to say, Doug Woodhouse had this excellent idea of getting you guys to send in voice messages. Now I highly encourage you guys to send in voice messages, uh, but. Uh, I'm gonna say like a specific three specific things that I would like you to leave in your voice messages um, I want to know uh, your name where you're calling from and what house you're in just and then I'll be I'll hope to make a special episode for that I'm um, saying thanks for all the people who have actually uh, sent in uh, the voice message and uh, one more thing this is getting a bit lengthy, but one more thing. I also have a TikTok account that uh, doesn't have many followers as of now, and uh, I just wanted to boost it up a bit. So um, I have a TikTok account. It's called at the weird guy ninety nine. Uh, so if you guys, uh, if you have a TikTok account or something, then uh, if you guys want to, you can search me up. And then um, I do just random TikToks, but uh, I'm mainly focusing on mountain biking in my most recent ones so if you guys want to you can check that out so that's at the weird guy 99 um it's not too popular i think it only has like 58 followers um but anyway you'll see me there and you'll see me doing some stunts and tricks and some dances uh but anyway this has been long enough uh let's get started It looked as though it had once been a large stone pigsty, but extra rooms had been added here and there until it was several stories high, and so crooked it looked as if it was held up by magic, which Harry, Harry reminded himself it probably was. Four or five chimneys were perched on top of the red roof. A lopsided sign stuck in the ground near the entrance read the burrow. Round the front door, lay a jumble of Wellington boots and a very rusty cauldron. Several fat brown chickens were pecking their way around the yard. It's not much, said Ron. It's brilliant, said Harry happily, thinking of Privet Drive. They got out of the car. Now, we'll go upstairs really quietly, said Fred, and wait for Mum to call us for breakfast. Then, Ron, you come bounding downstairs going, Mum, look who turned up in the night and she'll be all pleased to see Harry, and no one need ever know we flew the car. Right, said Ron. Come on, Harry, I sleep at the... Ron had gone a nasty, greenish colour, his eyes fixed on the house. The other three wheeled around. Mrs. Weasley was marching across the yard, scattering chickens, and for a short, plump, kind-faced woman, it was remarkable how much they looked like a saber-toothed tiger. Ah said Fred. Oh dear, said George. 
Mrs. Weasley came to a halt in front of them, her hands on her hips, staring from one guilty face to the next. She was wearing a flowered apron with a wand sticking out of her, the pocket. So, she said, Morning, Mum, said uh, George in what he clearly thought was a jaunty, winning voice. Have you any idea how worried I've been? said Mrs. Weasley in a deadly whisper. Sorry, Mum, but see, we had to... All three of Mrs. Weasley's sons were taller than she was, but they cowered as her rage broke over them. Bed's empty! No note! Car gone! Could have crashed out of my mind with worry! Did you care? Never! As long as I've lived... Wait until your father gets home. We've never had trouble like this from Bill or Charlie or Percy. Perfect Percy, muttered Fred. You could do with taking a leaf out of Percy's book, yelled Mrs. Weasley, prodding a finger in Fred's chest. You could have died. You could have been seen. You could have lost your father his job. It seemed to go on for hours. Mrs. Weasley had shattered herself hoarse before she turned on Harry. Uh, who backed away. I'm very pleased to see you, Harry dear, she said. Come on, come on in and have some breakfast. She turned and walked back to the house, and Ron, after a nervous glance at Ron, who nodded encouragingly, followed her. The kitchen was small and rather cramped. There was a, there was a scrubbed wooden table and chairs in the middle, and Harry sat down on the edge of a seat, looking around. He had never been in a wizard house before. The clock on the wall opposite him had only one hand and no numbers at all. Written around the edge were things like time to make tea, time to feed the chickens, and you're late. Books were stacked three deep on the mantelpiece, with titles like Charm Your Own Cheese, Enchantment in Baking, and One Minute Feasts, It's Magic. And unless Harry's ears were deceiving him, the old radio next to the sink had just announced that coming up was Witching Hour, with the popular singing sorceress Celestina Warbeck. Mrs. Weasley was clattering around, cooking breakfast a little haphazardly, throwing dirty looks at her sons as she threw sausages into the frying pan. Every now and then she muttered things like, Don't know what you were thinking of, and never would have believed it. I don't blame you, Harry dear, she assured Harry, tipping eight or nine sausages onto his plate. Arthur and I have been worried about you too. Just last night we were saying if we hadn't if no, we were saying we'd come get you if we hadn't um get you ourselves if you hadn't written back to Ron by Friday. But really she was now adding three fried eggs to his plate, flying in a legal car halfway across the country. Anyone could have seen you. She flicked her one casually at the washing up in the sink, which began to clean itself clinking gently in the background. It was cloudy, Mum, said Fred. You keep your mouth shut while you're eating, Mrs. Weasley snapped. It was starving him, Mum, said George. And you, said Mrs. Weasley. But it was with a slightly softened expression that she started cutting Harry bread and buttering it for him. At that moment, there was a, there was a diversion, diversion in the form of a small, red-headed figure in a long nightdress, who appeared in the kitchen, gave a small squeal, and then ran out again. Ginny, said Ron in an undertone to Harry. 
My sister. She's been talking about you all summer. Yeah, she'll be wanting your autograph, Harry, grinned Fred, but he caught his mother's eye and bent his, place, uh, bent his face over his plate without another word. Nothing more was said until all four plates were clean, which took a surprisingly short time. Blimey, I'm tired, said Fred, um, setting down his knife and fork at last. Uh, I, I think I'll go to bed and- You will not, snapped Mrs. Weasley. It's your own fault you've been up all night. You're going to denome the garden for me. They're getting completely out of hand again. Oh, Mum. And you too, she said, glaring at Ron and George. You can go up to bed, dear, she added to Harry. You didn't ask them to fly that wretched car. But Harry, who felt wide awake, said quickly, I'll help Ron. I've never seen a denoming. That's very sweet of you, dear, but it's dull work, said Mrs. Weasley. Now, let's see what Lockhart's got to say on the subject. And she pulled a heavy book from the stack on the mantelpiece. George groaned. Mom, we know how to denome a garden. Harry looked at the cover of Mrs. Weasley's book. Written across it were in fancy gold letters were the words, Gilderoy Lockhart's Guide to Household Pets. There was a big photograph on the front of a very good-looking wizard with wavy blonde hair and bright blue eyes. As always in the wizarding world, the photograph was moving. The wizard, who Harry supposed was Gilderoy Lockhart, kept winking cheekily up at them all. Mrs. Weasley beamed down at him. Oh, he is marvellous, she said. He knows his household pets all right. It's a wonderful book. Mum fancies him, said Fred in a very audible whisper. Don't be ridiculous, Fred, said Mrs. Weasley, her cheeks rather pink. All right, if you think you know better than Lockhart, you can go and get on with it. And woe betide if there's a single gnome in that garden when I come out to inspect it. Yawning and grumbling, the Weasleys slouched outside, with Harry behind them. The garden was large, and in Harry's eyes, exactly what a garden should be. The Dursleys wouldn't have liked it. There were plenty of weeds, and the grass needed cutting. But there were gnarled trees all and the, but there were gnarled trees all over from the walls, plants Harry had never even seen spilling from every flower bed, and a large green pond full of frogs. Muggles have garden to- gnomes too, you know, Harry told Ron, as they crossed the lawn. Yeah, I've seen those things they think are gnomes, said Ron, bent double with his head in a peony bush. Like Fat Father Christmas with fishing rods. There was a violent scuffling noise. The peony bush shuddered, and Ron straightened up. This is a gnome, he said grimly. Get off me! Get off me! squealed the gnome. It was certainly nothing like Father Christmas. Um, it was a small, it was small, leathery looking, with a large, knobbly bald head, exactly like a potato. Ron held it at arm's length and kicked at it as it kicked at at him with its horny little feet. It grasped the ankles. It gra- he grasped it ankle. Yeah, he grasped it around the ankles and turned it upside down. This is what you have to do, he said. The no- he raised the gnome above his head, tear off me, and started to swing it in great circles like a lasso. Seeing the shocked look on Harry's face, Ron added. It doesn't hurt them. You've just got to make sure they get really dizzy so they can't find their way back to their gnome holes. He let go of the gnome's ankles. It flew 20 feet into the air 
and landed with a thud in the field over the hedge. Pitiful, said Fred. I bet I can get mine beyond that stump. Harry quickly learned not to feel too sorry for the gnomes. He decided just to drop the first one he caught over the hedge, but the gnome, sensing weakness, sank its razor-sharp teeth until Harry's finger, and he had a hard job shaking it off until... Wow, Harry! That must have been 50 feet in the air! Then the air was soon thick with flying gnomes. See, they're not too bright, said George, seizing five or six gnomes at once. The moment they know the Dean gnome is going on, um, they storm up to have a look. You'd think you'd, they'd have learned now just to stay put. Soon, the crowd of gnomes in the field started walking away in a straggling line. Their little shoulders hunched. They, they'll be back, said Ron. As, the, as, he, they, as they watched the gnomes disappear into the hedge onto the other side of the field. field. They love it here. Dad's too soft with them. He thinks they're just funny. And then, the front door slammed. He's back, said George. Dad's home. They hurried through the garden and back into the house. Mrs. Weasley, uh, Mr. Weasley, sorry, was slumped in a kitchen chair with his glasses off and his eyes closed. He was a thin man, going bold, but the little hair he had was as, as, as red as any of his children's. He was wearing long green robes, which were dusty and travel-worn. What a night, he mumbled, groping for a teapot as they all sat down around him. Nine raids! Nine! An old Mundungus Fletcher tried to put a hex on me when I had my back turned. Mr. Weasley took a long gulp of tea inside. Find anything, Dad? said Fred eagerly. All I got were a few shrinking door keys and a biting kettle, yawned Mr. Weasley. There was some pretty nasty stuff that wasn't my department, though. Mortlake was taken away for questioning about some extremely odd ferrets, but that's the committee on that's that's but that's the committee on experimental charms. Thank goodness. Why would anyone bother making door keys shrink? Said George. Just mobile baiting, sighed Mr. Weasley. Sell a key that keeps shrinking to nothing, so they can never find where it is when they need it. Of course, it's very hard to convict anyone because no muggle would admit their key keeps shrinking. They'll insist they just keep using lose um they'll just yeah they'll insist they just keep use, losing it. Bless them, they'll go to any lengths to ignore magic, even if it's staring at them in the face. There but there are things our lot have have ha, nah, but the things our lot have taken to enchanting, you wouldn't believe. Like cars, for instance. Mrs. Weasley had appeared, holding a long poker like a sword. Mr. Weasley's eyes jerked open. He stared guiltily at his wife. Cars, Molly. Yes, Arthur. Cars, said Miss Mrs. Weasley, her eyes flushing. Imagine a wizard buying a, a rusty old car, telling his wife all he wanted to do with it was take it apart and see how it worked, while he really wanted to it. Um, no. While really he was enchanting it to make it fly. Mrs. Weasley blinked. I mean, well. Mr. Weasley blinked. Well, dear, I think you'll find that he would be quite within the law to do that, even if, uh, he may would have done better to, um, tell his wife the truth. Uh, there's a loophole in the law, uh, the law you'll find. As long as he wasn't intending to fly the car, the fact that the car could fly wouldn't... Arthur Weasley, you made sure there was a loophole when you wrote that law! 
shouted Mrs. Weasley, just so you could carry on tinkering with all that muggle rubbish in your shed. And for your information, Harry arrived this morning in that car, and yeah, you weren't intending to fly. Harry? said Mr. Weasley blankly. Harry who? He looked around, saw Harry, and jumped. Good lord, is it Harry Potter? Very pleased to meet you. Ron's told us so much about your sons flew that car to Harry's house back and lost, um, uh, your sons flew that car to Harry's house and back last night, shouted Miss, Mrs. Weasley. What have you got to say about that, eh? Did you really? said Mr. Weasley eagerly. Did it go all right? I, I, I mean, he faltered as sparks flew from Mrs. Weasley's eyes. That, um, that was very wrong, boys. Uh, yes, uh, very wrong indeed. Let's leave them to it, Harry muttered to Harry, as Mrs. Weasley swirled like a bullfrog. Come on, I'll show you my bedroom. They slipped out of the kitchen and down a narrow passageway to an uneven staircase, which zigzagged its way throughout the house. On the third landing, a, a door stood ajar. Harry just caught a pair of bright brown eyes staring at him and closed it with a snap. Ginny, said Ron. You don't know how weird it is for for her to be shy. She normally never shuts up. They climbed two more flights until uh, until they reached a door with peeling paint and a small plaque on it saying Ronald Room. Harry stepped in, his head almost touching the sloping ceiling and blinked. It was like walking into a furnace. Nearly everything in Ron's room seemed to be a violent shade of orange. A uh, violent shade of orange. The bedspread, the walls, even the ceiling. And then Harry realized Ron that had, ah, and then Harry realized Ron had covered nearly every inch of the shabby wallpaper with posters of the same seven witches and wizards, all wearing bright orange brooms, uh, bright bright orange robes, and um, carrying broomsticks and waving energetically. Your Quidditch teams said Harry. The Chudley Cannon said Ron pointing towards the orange bread spread, which was emblazed with two giant C's, uh, two giant black C's, and a speeding cannonball. Ninth in the league. Ron's school books were stacked, uh, school spell books were stacked untidily in a corner, next to a pile of comics, which all seemed to adventure, um, which all seemed to feature the adventure of Martin Miggs, the, mag the mad muggle. Ron's magic wand was laying on top of, the t uh, of a fish tank, Full of frog spawn, and on the wind on the windowsill next to his fat grey rat's cabbage, who was snoozing in a patch of sun. Harry stepped over a pack of self-shuffling playing cards on the floor and looked out of the tiny window. In the field below, he could see a gang of gnomes sneaking um, one by one back through the Weasley's hedge. Then he turned to look at Ron, who was watching him almost nervous, uh, nervously as though waiting for his opinion. It, it, it's a bit small, said Ron quickly. Not like that room you had with the muggles. Uh, I, I'm always underneath the ghoul in the attic. He's always uh, banging on pipes and groaning. But Harry, grinning widely, said, This is the best house I've ever been in. Ron's ears went pink. Okay, guys, so that's actually going to be it for today. Um, that went, uh, that went by so quickly. I, I was just reading. I was really engrossed in it. But, um, anyway, 
I hope you uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of reading Harry Potter with a twelve year old. Uh, the next ep- uh, the next uh, chapter is chapter four at Flourish and Blots. Uh, so this is where uh, Mr. Weasley has a fight with uh, Lucius Malfoy. I probably shouldn't be telling you this, um, but yeah. Okay. Um, so that's all I have to say for today. Um, so I guess I'll see you guys later. Take care. Bye for now.